Yes, your brain goes on journeys. Sometimes we tag along. Bless you. Privilege is not being a category on Pornhub. That's amazing. It was somebody's tweet, so I've got it all saved up, so I can kind of refer back to it, but I really, really like it. You can talk about that if you like. Hello and welcome once again to It Is Complicated, a podcast where we answer every single question with It Is Complicated, including the title of the podcast, which is It Is Complicated. Hello, Dr. Jane. Hello, Josephine. How are you? This insert time period here that insists that we're not doing these back to back. I have had good answers to that question in the past. I know because I've edited them into the episodes. Today, <laughs> I can't think of a witty response, so I might have to edit one from a previous episode. That's the state of my mind. Yes, yeah, so my current state is rerun of a previous episode of our show. So not that bad. <laughs> Dr. Jay, what series are you a current rerun of? Ooh. Oh, I would like to think I'm a rerun of Doctor Who. it's a show that you can go back to over and over and there's always you know there's the occasional duffer but most of them are pretty good well doctor (laughs) doctor who are you (laughs) who am i despite me myself thinking that i am a time lord i'm dr j i got to give myself the job title harbinger of change and i work at thoughtworks or a bespoke software consultancy i got to give myself my name which is a single letter And I also got to give myself a gender and I chose transgressive, non-binary, gender, queer, because why not be fabulous if you can? And thanks to a statutory declaration, New Zealand has that now as my official gender. What else am I? Oh, I'm a troublemaker, as if you couldn't tell. And a hashtag queer nuisance because branding. So Josephine, when are you today? I believe I am a sunset in the afternoon currently. Who I am is Josephine Baird. (laughs) An independent scholar, activist, and artist who likes to make a spectacle of herself upon the stage and occasionally talks about herself in the third person and will now stop. I also like to put things on the internet, more specifically pictures of queers that I have drawn rather than other things. And I like to think of myself as a queer without portfolio because unemployment. So what are we going to talk about? Well... I saw a marvellous post earlier in the week and I'm working it into a talk. So what will happen here will be me burbling out my mouth hole that will eventually turn into some kind of talk that I do at some kind of conference and stuff around privilege, but using the idea that privilege is not being a category on Pornhub. So if you're a category on Pornhub, sit down and everyone else, you, my friend, have privilege. (laughs) And do you remember who said this? It was said by Exterior World. Are you a Pornhub category or are you privileged? Which I just adore. I do like that as a rather sketch notion. I like it as a sketch outline as kind of the challenging statement at the start of a talk or something like that to get people engaged of like, oh, this is a new way of talking about privilege. Because... I think privilege is far more nuanced. I mean, I gained privilege by changing countries because I'm read as middle class rather than working class by most people. So there are ways that as an adult, privilege is expressed and used in those kind of things. 
This, like so many of our topics, is probably going to have to be one that we do in many sections because the concept of privilege is so multifaceted. My first question simply would be, what actually is privilege? Because often when I think we talk about privilege, it is the rights that wider mainstream culture that doesn't like to talk about privilege so much would consider normal or baseline set of rights, things that people should just have. We call that privilege in the sense that there are many communities who do not have what mainstream culture would insist are baseline rights and rather remove those rights or just assume that those things don't exist for certain groups. White privilege is not being arrested and handed in the street and attacked by the police and possibly killed by said police. The gaining of privilege is often unconscious. It's how you use it and understanding it in that context and understanding what privilege gains you that actually helps people. So, for example, I do a game based on privilege, which has things like, as an adult, have you always had contents insurance? And I raised this amongst a group of people, and there was a pile of people who were like, why would you ever not? And then I started to talk about the fact that when you're under times of economic hardship and stress, content insurance is something that people drop. And it very quickly allowed people in the room to go, I have a privilege that I wasn't even aware of. Because that financial stability is a privilege. That ability to always know that there's money coming in to cover all the bills is a privilege. But I then said, well, what do you do with this privilege? And I got people to spend it. And I got them to spend it on things like applying for a job posted on a niche networking site, get a free barista coffee in the workplace, and explaining to people who are in the technology industry where free barista coffees in the workplaces when we can be in there is kind of expected. And in fact, people will not quite throw a strop, but will be very upset if the barista coffee is not up to the right standard that they expect from their workplace and trying to explain that there are people in workplaces where they're expected to put in 50p a week or a pound a week towards the coffee and they don't have free coffees and, and free drink and just explaining how those privileges play out. Privilege is a power, a power that certain people are afforded and other people are not. They are disempowered. So when you have those privileges, you have the opportunity to do certain things or you have the opportunity to not be policed for doing certain things and you have your options broadened or opened up as opposed to having them curtailed or limited it's a power you gain that you're often not aware of you gain it unconsciously and we use privilege to describe that because we Mm, always see people more privileged than ourselves In STEM, in the technology industry where I'm working a lot, people understand raised and lowered privileges. People understand privilege as in you get to do more shit. You get to do more things on a system. So therefore, when you're talking to people in tech about the unconscious stuff that they've got by being white, by being a straight man, when you use the word privilege, it totally fits into their brain and it's using a word that fits into a context that they totally understand. Weirdly enough, for somebody who reads and learns super fast, I really still struggle with some simple things about writing something in the right tense because it's not something that I know, no, it's something I've got to figure out every single time because we just weren't taught it. And we weren't taught it because I was at a bottom 10% school. They wanted us to learn to write freely rather than focus on the grammar because they got more kids 
actually into writing and working their way through the basics of writing in English, which is a weird privilege moment. I think it's a really good example of why these processes are so often invisible. When I was studying things like intelligence tests and personality tests, one of the things that really became obvious very quickly was how culturally narrow these things were, because it was about assumed knowledges. The best example I actually heard of this one was when I moved to England, I moved from quite a rough Dutch neighborhood to a much more middle-class British neighborhood. And in England, in that particular part of the country, they still had these tests that they would do with 11 and 12-year-olds in order to determine basically what their relative intelligence was. And depending on how well you did on that test, you would then be placed in a different school. There were certain schools that required you to pass this test. Now, you're already thinking, I hope, oh dear God, how fucked up is that? And the answer to that is a lot because it is extremely fucked up. Now, don't get me wrong, they had all sorts of justifications for this, naturally. But this test was called, at that point, the 11 plus or the 12 plus, depending on where you did it. I had to do this test. I remember one summer being mercilessly drilled (laughs) into doing these practice tests. Now, it required a certain amount of privilege to be able to have the time to do that, to get certain amounts of tutoring to pass this test. But I remember some of the practice test questions, and one of them I will never forget. It simply was this. What is the length of a cricket pitch? Yeah. (laughs) I think that... And feet, meters or yards. mm, But that question is the very epitome of privilege. Yes. It, it demonstrates the cultural element of the test. It demonstrates that that culture determines is intellect. <laughs> and it determines, okay, this person must have this knowledge and this knowledge is considered general enough for them to just be able to recall the fact and reproduce it. Mm. And yet, of course, this test was considered, no, this is entirely fair. and Just anybody can take it. And if they pass it, they get to go to a grammar school. And if they don't, they get to go to another school, which is just as good, just not. As good. As good, yeah. <laughs> and of course, has questions like, what is the length of a cricket pitch? So, because of course that's the question. And that demonstrates the privilege, right? So now the only reason I knew about those kinds of questions was because I'd been able to practice for them. And I'd been able to practice for them because my parents bought the books and hassled me into doing it. Mm. And I passed. And I went to that horrific school based on that. And that gave me enough social capital in order to then move on to other things. It's really weird looking back on that as one example of this. I was thinking, because at my high school, just for context, New Zealand is not a predominantly Maori country. They're a minority within their own country. When I went to high school, we were put into streams and I was in the A stream which was the top stream, the bright kids. And very quickly, as we went through the first two years of school, those groups separated even further. So by the time we're in our last year of school, pretty much everybody is from the middle class. And some of the people I was friendly with who had gone through primary school with had to drop out of their last years of school and go and get a job. Or rather than going to university, go and get a tech degree which was a couple of years shorter, which meant that they could be earning much faster because their parents simply couldn't afford to continue to support their education. And that 
really starkly brought out the differences between the two extremes of the communities that were coming into this high school and predominantly the kids who got support from their family were white and the kids who didn't were not but that wasn't a total binary it was just multiple layers of economic factors and multiple layers of intersections looking back now realizing all of those intersections played out over and over the implication that somehow these institutions are meritocracies is laughable that's why no but that's why i found it so disgusting Mm. when i went and did that particular test even then it was actually controversial this was being challenged and it wasn't happening in the whole country. It only was happening in a few select places still. And they were justifying it on the basis of meritocracy. And it's like, no, what it does is, of course, it just separates people out and means that the equalities will just get bigger. Now, of course, people learn in different ways at different rates because of any number of factors, not including perhaps their neurotypicality, <laughs> which should be taken into account and is not. But that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is the cultural notion of what is at first normal and at second desirable. Mm. So, of course, the system is designed with an understanding of a particular kind of person in mind. That person has a certain set of resources. That person has a certain set of opportunities. That person has a certain position in society. If you don't have those things then you cannot progress in that society. And anybody who tells you that like, well, I guess they just didn't stay long in school or they just weren't very bright or they just, you know, they just didn't do their exams or they had other stuff to do, so they just didn't do it or blah, blah, blah. It's bullshit because the truth is, in most of those cases, it's simply a structural system that is precluding them from being able to progress. Now, that's just one example school and of course that's at the very beginning of someone's life and it's still not the first point of privilege the first point of privilege happens well before they're even born of course and if you want to look at that let's just point to the fact that i live in a place that still has a king and so So do do i (laughs) that's like fuck me we still we still lord people because they happen to be born into one particular family Mm-hmm. I, it, a German family on both accounts. Oh uh, yeah, well they're all German because Queen Victoria yeah. killed everybody else by accident. Yeah. Poor yeah. thing. Hemophilia. Yes. She and didn't, I, uh, didn't know she had it and she just kept on interbreeding. Interbreed the cousins because it keeps the bloodline oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the notion of privilege. It keeps the bloodline oh dear. Yeah. Yes. You see this all the time, especially in the news right now. When someone will say an institution, for example, is systemically racist, say, for example, I don't know, the police or immigration services or any institution, to be perfectly honest. Well, let's choose those two because they're they're the the most obvious obvious. that we can talk about. They're particularly obvious. But when you see some politician or any person really come on and say, no, 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 that isn't true. It's fair for everybody. It's like, no. The system is designed with this in mind from the ground up. It means that all of the rules, all of the little social cues, all of the little social opportunities, all the cultural capital, everything is geared towards helping one group of people and keeping the other out of that Mm. particular club. And those things happen in myriads of tiny, tiny invisible ways, as Jay said. Often these things are completely invisible so that the people who have the privilege 
can continue on in blind ignorance. And the people who don't have the privilege cannot even speak about it because there's no language even for it. And we all know what it is. We just don't always have a name for it. And I think one of the things that we have as queers is we often know what these are and can describe them. And sometimes they give us privilege and sometimes they don't. For example, I'm white. I've never been stopped and searched. I walk around Elephant and Castle. It's not a salubrious part of London. It's also known as a shithole. And I've seen the police do stops and searches a lot. But I also am very aware that they'll never stop and search me. The likelihood of that ever happening is pretty much zero. And that's just part of it. It's not just the color of my skin. It's how people read me. It's how people look twice at me. And I won't be seen as somebody that they should stop and search. We talked a little bit about this in the passing and reading episode, Mm. where I said one of the things I'd experienced, which was really interesting, was going from not passing for cis in this culture. And that meant that I had a certain level of privilege to non-privilege ratio. And that suddenly I'd started to pass. And then that had shifted that privilege. Because things are complicated, certain things went up. It meant that I was less likely to get attacked in the street for being trans. But for example, today I went to the pharmacy to renew my prescription for hormones, which if you are a trans person currently in lockdown and COVID situations, you know that hormones have become more and more difficult to get. And it's been kind of scary. And yes, currently there is a problem with the production of the hormones that I'm getting. I don't necessarily want to go into too much detail, but I have a particular dose and I couldn't get it at my usual pharmacy. They rang to another pharmacy. I went over there and they didn't know me. And they said, oh, hi, um, listen, I didn't feel really comfortable filling out your prescription. It's an awfully high dose of estrogen. (laughs) And I was looking at her going, oh, oh dear. (laughs) Do I have to, okay, look around the place. Are we in a safe environment? What is this person going to do if she finds out that I'm trans? Okay. And she was like, I, I need to call your doctor first. Have you had this before? Yeah, I've been taking this for some time now. <laughs> My buddy doesn't make estrogen the way yours does. <laughs> this is an awkward conversation. I'm trying to navigate the fact that I'm both passing for cis and may potentially get into trouble if I tell you. So, yeah, yes. you're being read as cis. And yep. because of that, they're denying your transness. Yes. And that's causing complications. Whereas previously, when they read you as trans, they would have just gone, oh, another trans woman coming in for her hormones. This is about the right level of dose for Maybe. a trans woman. Maybe. But the funny thing is, she did, in fact, end up bending the rules for me. She tried to call my doctor, couldn't get hold of mm. that particular doctor, and said, oh, well, because you said that you've been taking this for years now, I'll give it to you this time. And I'm like, if I hadn't been white, Mm -hmm. if I hadn't been dressed nicely, if I hadn't been speaking a very particular way and very properly and politely, Mm -hmm. instead of demanding what, come on, you know, she she could see from the computer that I've been taking this dose for years. And, but she gave it to me against actually their policy. And it occurred to me like, okay, so what happened just then? And would it have been different had I had different characteristics or she would have assumed different things about me Mm -hmm. because she assumed a very specific set of characteristics about me. And I do wonder what 
calculation of privilege happened in her head to at first stop me from getting the dose mm. that I needed to then giving it to me anyway against her better judgment and her own policy. But also giving it to you in a conditional manner. She didn't give it to you straight off. There's so much privilege mechanics in play there. Yeah. Absolutely. And you can almost see this happening all the time, every single time something happens, every single time you have an interaction, there are all of those notions of privileges that play out. Do I sound white enough? Do I sound middle class enough? Am I respectful enough? Yeah. Which is a tricky one to play out when you're frustrated with somebody, which plays into mental health, which plays into anxiety, which plays into facility with that language. I mean, I'm assuming you weren't speaking Swedish or if you were speaking Swedish. I start speaking Swedish, but then, yes, you're right. There is a habit that I have figured out. Okay, so these are the things, because as queer people, people who are different, you often are put in these situations where you're... Playing the privilege game. You are literally playing the privilege game. And I think this is one of the reasons why we know privilege, because we play it all the time. Anyway, I'll let you finish the story. But it's just that excitement of this is the privilege game. This is the privilege game. No, you're right. You're navigating. I described it in an article recently as being like a parkour runner that you have to dodge around over and inside and put yourself into crazy positions in order to get through the systems that are not designed for you, that you often have to use things that are not meant to be used that way and may even be problematic in order to simply get by in a way that everyone else assumes everyone else is getting by because that's what privilege is. This is what I meant when I said we play the privilege game because we play it all the time. We're constantly figuring out like you say, our ways around the system. And we're constantly gaming the system. We're constantly finding the edges of the system and pushing on them like a lockpicker because I've been watching lockpicking videos. God only knows why. I'm on YouTube. I do stuff like this because can't sleep. And (laughs) lockpicking is innocuous enough that I will eventually fall asleep to somebody explaining how to pick locks. But it's a lot about pushing things and finding the edges and knowing exactly where the boundaries are and playing around with those boundaries and going a little bit beyond that boundary will get you to the next bit. And I think that's a really interesting analogy because it does bring about the problem that I have with this. In order to do that, you have to understand social psychology and a certain amount of street smarts and a certain amount of reading people and ability to presuppose their prejudices, their stereotypes in order to work on those factors. Because I know that certain behaviors, certain tones of voice, certain ways of presenting myself will achieve certain goals. But it does reinscribes those things on occasion. I find that really, really problematic. But it can mean the difference between me getting killed. <laughs> and I, I, I laugh right now out yeah. of, out of um, I think, just out of discomfort. Because the truth is, yeah. I know, for example, that because I can pass for cis, even before I did actually transition more obviously, I knew that in order to get through certain situations, appearing trans would get me killed. So denying my transness in those moments or trying to hide said transness plays upon and reinscribes a gender norm that is extremely problematic, a gender norm that puts me in that danger in the first place. However, in order to not die, I've had to reinscribe it. Mm. And it sits in my brain and goes, fuck. Yes, elsewhere in my life, I will immediately break down that gender norm. I will talk about it on a podcast, and hopefully that will undo some of the reinscribing I had to do in order to get by. 
the survival of this person may in fact be the ultimately transgressive act. However, I feel bad about using that privilege to survive. I can totally understand. And in a way of making somebody see the privilege is really important, but it's really hard to do. And it's really difficult to make somebody see how privileged they are. One of the things that I got into arguments with my father about, he would often talk about his upbringing and growing up in a a slum in Liverpool and the struggles that he went through. And why couldn't the people who lived in the same area that we did have the same journey as him? I started to challenge him as I got older. And it was a lot about you shouldn't be an exception, but also you had it a lot easier than the kids that I'm going to school with for a number of reasons. One of which is systemic racism, although I didn't use the term at the time because I didn't know the words. And it's about somebody once said it to me. It's not that you have had an easy life. It's not that you haven't had a hard life, but your life has not had an extra layer just based on the color of your skin. Which is why intersectionality is such an important aspect of this. And it's not something I think we can necessarily go into detail about now. I think it would be really good to talk about that. Uh, in another episode and maybe be interesting to bring in other people for that conversation. Mm -hmm. This is again, one of these moments I'm realizing that the interview aspect of this podcast might become something that we really need to focus on because I'd love to get another voice in on this because intersectionality is a huge part of this because the complication of privilege and the fact that it is so invisible and yet so pervasive is its intersectional quality, is the fact that it functions on so many levels all at the same time. We all know it. We all understand it to some degree. We do as a culture, even as individuals, even if we'd like not to believe it, we do understand it. We are able to navigate it with incredible ability as human beings. Everyone does. But it's because of its intersectionality that it is sometimes hard to describe discreetly or to discuss it in a way that is useful that we accept it, especially by those people who have privilege and have no reason or desire to lose it. So we've talked about this before, about knowing what one's privilege is and then using that privilege to try to affect change for others, to dismantle the very system that gave you that privilege in the first place. These processes are not unproblematic. They will never be perfect. So it's always going to be complex. There are always going to be multiple effects of everything we do. But to start with a basic understanding of the fact that I have privilege because of my whiteness. I don't have privilege because of my gender, but I do have privilege because I happen to pass for cis sometimes. But of course, because I'm passing as a cis woman, I have less privilege than if I was passing as a cis man. And add on to that the many layers of problematic, like, for example, the impact of living in a intolerant world towards trans people has caused me significant setbacks that I can quantify and yet will not be taken into account by those very institutions that have caused those setbacks and understand them. So that's really complicated. How do I come out of that position? How do I challenge my own privilege? And how do I try to change the equities for trans people like me and for people who have even less privilege than that? So these are difficult questions, but I think starting with a notion of what it is, how it works, what we have and what we don't have is a really useful beginning point. So what are we going to talk about next week? Other than Skyrim. 
Oh, we could we could discuss Skyrim. We could discuss Skyrim if you want. I'd much rather discuss Skyrim than J.K. Rowling. No, that's making Skyrim sound like it's a really bad choice of discussion. I apologize. No, that is a poor juxtaposition. I shall rephrase the point. Talking about Skyrim would be an absolute delight. Talking about J.K. Rowling would make me want to vomit out of my ears. I almost wish to see that. Excellent. I'll stop it there. (laughs) Hey, you know what we didn't do? We didn't do a Patreon. I'll have a sec. So Uh, if you liked what we did and you don't want to buy a t-shirt that says because branding, support us on Patreon so we can make more quality queer content like this, which is patreon.com forward slash it is complicated or one word. Is it forward slash or backslash? Oh, fuck. Slash. Josephine and her pedantry. So it's patreon.com slash it is complicated or one word. People know which slash now to put in and I can never remember. Sorry. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>